Well, good morning. Uh, as Stefan said, I am uh, Josh, one of the pastors here. I'm actually the uh, pastor for discipleship. Uh, and uh, so as Pastor Brandon's out on sabbatical, he's tasked me with uh, kind of setting up this idea of, uh, of, of discipleship, uh, getting into some of the, same, uh, the common language uh, and uh, an understanding that we have on it. I'm really grateful for that. Um, and it is, uh, just in general, it is, a, is continually a, a joy, an honor, a privilege to, uh, to be able to proclaim Christ to uh, you and to worship alongside you as the people of God each day. And uh, those words, uh, man, that was a nice job, Keith, on song selection there. That's, a, that's some good stuff. Uh, really ministers to us in a, in a very sweet uh, way. We'll be here in John 14, 6. Um, uh, today is that one verse. I want to give a little context there. I'll, I'll, I'll blow this out to the, the whole chapter here to get us uh, just to place that one verse, uh, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life uh, for us and what that means for uh, discipleship, but kind of giving us the whole view of this task that, that, that we have here over, the la- uh, over four weeks of that idea of uh, discipleship. Uh, Jesus says in, uh, in his departing words to, um, to, uh, to the disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so, asking the question, uh, if we're going to make disciples of all nations, how do we make disciples? And I'm actually taking four weeks to just answer this question, what is a disciple? If we want to make them, we need to know what they are. And so, uh, and so the definition that we're working with uh, is, uh, is that a disciple is a forgiven sinner who is learning the way of Christ in community over time. And so, uh, that's a big, long sentence, uh, but we're going to cut that up into four different parts. Last week, we looked at Colossians 1, uh, that idea that a disciple is a forgiven sinner. Uh, today, we are going to look at that idea that, that in uh, John 14, 6, that a disciple is a forgiven sinner who is learning the way of Christ. We'll deal with the rest of that over the next two weeks, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and so, I just want to get into this idea that a disciple, uh, I think one of the big things for us to take away is that we need to have in our minds today, just understanding what a disciple is, is last week that we're all sinners and that a disciple is a forgiven sinner. This week, I want us to understand that a disciple is a learner, uh, is that we are always learning, uh, that no matter if you, if you think you are directly learning or indirectly learning or even aren't even aware of it, you are a learner. That is, you are taking in information and you are, uh, you are processing it in a way that you can apply it to life. Uh, we, we, we know that this is just generally how we live in a given day. We're always learners. We're always trying to figure out what is our place and what is the next step in the course of life and how do we go about it. Uh, whatever season of, of life we might be in, no matter uh, what location we might be in. I, I think that's a great, great one is that sometimes we, we found that um, our, our, our information is, is wrong, you know, like a GPS. You know, we're learning where to go when we're, when we're familiarizing ourselves with the streets of town. Um, but sometimes uh, I've gone to a couple people's houses that are in a new development and the GPS hasn't caught up to that. And so I'm trying to learn how to live and direct my course of action. And then I end at some weird place that has a construction site and I'm not quite sure what's going on. And so sometimes we get off track a little bit, but we're going to learn how the truest, purest way, uh, the best way forward is Jesus Christ. And, it's in, and he's infinitely uh, more, uh, more good and, uh, and, and better and lasting and pure than any kind of GPS. Uh, one, of the, one of the examples of maybe this fact that we are uh, learners is, um, is uh, kind of learning in crisis. I don't know if you're like me, 
Um, I uh, have found that I am a terrible learner when I am in a seeming crisis moment. Uh, maybe you've had this, uh, this uh, uh, happen to you, uh, hopefully not, but this is like an annual occurrence for me, um, is that I'm holding both the, the red clamp and the black clamp, trying to not get electrocuted by hooking up my jumper cables the wrong way, Except every time I end up learning this thing and relearning it, it's like negative 15 degrees in Iowa. I'm like, oh, this is the worst time to learn this lesson. I can't, oh, what? And that's why it never sticks. It's because I always learn it for like the moment. I mean, it's written on there. So, uh, you know, plug it in. And I'm still here, so I've done it right every time. Uh, And so that's one way, but it never sticks. Like you could ask me right now and it'd be like, "Uh, just a good guess. Uh, So uh, wait till crisis moment. I'll do it again. Um, The, uh, another one is... um, is maybe uh, in schooling, uh, those who are procrastinators. Uh, it's maybe not the writing a paper last minute, but it's cramming for that test. I remember uh, one time uh, putting, I think, all of Western civilization history into my mind somehow in four hours, like 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 the Matrix, just plug in and it, I got it all. And the, the, the score on the test proved that I, I am definitely not a crisis learner. Uh, it, it did not go so well. Uh, all of Western Civ just doesn't work in four hours. Uh, so uh, that would be another, another example there. Um, or maybe, maybe one that we're all coming with is, um, is um, diagnosing our, uh, our, our health problems uh, online uh, on, on websites. Uh, this is a great one where you get, you know, like a, you got like a little headache or you've been hungry for a long time or you got a scratch that just isn't healing or whatever, and you're like, I don't know, I'm just going to check it out online. Well, what happens, uh, if, if you have the same situation as me, is, is you thought you were just being smart and researching, but you find out that everything you've done in life is a symptom of every illness. <laughs> and not only as these things go, is because they have like legal things that they have to abide by, you look and you're like, oh, what's going to happen to me? Well, either, either I'm going to get a headache or I'm going to have some discomfort or death. And it's like every single one of them leads to death. So like I, I did this this week and I like look up something for my daughter. By the end of it, I am sure that I have the problem and that I'm actually going to die. And I'm like, wow, these medical things are just not helpful. And then it always says the good smart thing, go to your physician, you know, and, uh, and they'll actually tell you the right way. Um, I'm terrible in crisis uh, at learning. And I feel like uh, the disciples are, are that way as well. We get ourselves in, in John 14 into a, into a moment that really isn't a crisis, but it's a seeming crisis to them. I'm going to walk you through uh, this, this verse here, actually the whole scene that happens here. John has written uh, his book in several vignettes, several little scenes along the way. Uh, this scene in particular that our, that our uh, verse falls into is uh, maybe the scene is, what is it? Uh, John 13, 31 through the end of chapter 14. So basically, top to bottom, I'm going to give you a summary. So Jesus is instructing, uh, instructing his disciples. He's kind of preparing the way to go to the cross and to uh, the tomb uh, for uh, death and resurrection. And he says, now, the son of, uh, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God's glorified in him. He says, yet uh, a little while I'm with you, but I give you a new commandment. So my departing words is, uh, is I will be glorified, but I'm going to give you a new command. And this is what he's teaching. This is where he leads off. He says, that you love one another. Love is the command. I'm going to leave you a commandment. Love one another. And he says, do this just as I have loved you. 
Uh, he says, and I'm going, and I'm going somewhere, and you, you can't follow. And at that point, Peter, who's like high or low, he's like Josh Casey, uh, is just, whoa, 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 whoa. He throws out the entire teaching on love, and he's like, I want to focus not on the loving, but the leaving. Did you say you're leaving? And instantly, just wildfire throughout the disciples, crisis. He's like, well, I was just telling you to love people, and now we've got a crisis on our hands. Like, can, can we go with you? What's, where, where are you going? And Jesus, just so, so wonderfully and calmly, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. That's where our verse started, our passage that Stephen read to us today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, believe also in God. Or believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to ex- explain some more. Thomas now then says, uh, how can we know the way? How can we know the way to the Father? And this is where Jesus puts our sentence for today. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's going to go on to then even, even acknowledge the fact that they, that they feel this, a little bit of this estrangement, this, uh, this, uh, this separation anxiety uh, preemptively. And he's going to say in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. So he even acknowledges that there's a feeling here that the disciples are feeling, this crisis moment. Of, You're leaving us alone. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then as a good teacher does, he says, and I'm going to be the Holy Spirit so that you love one another. He took it right back to the lesson. He says, I'm, I'll leave you a commandment, but even if you're all upset about this, I'm going to give you my truth. I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you my spirit that you might do what you're supposed to do while we wait. That's so masterful how the whole thing goes. That's, that's, a whole, that's the whole chapter there. That's the whole thing. So I, I wanted to set that there for us because sometimes we can read a verse and not know exactly where it, where it lands and then we take it and go all these different directions with it. I, I don't know exactly where we would go with uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I, get, I can imagine a few, but what we need to hear when we read it in context is what we should be doing, we should always be reading in context, is that Jesus is offering this as an encouragement, as a comfort. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not coming in victoriously and saying, you know, my way. He's saying, have hope, be encouraged. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so that is going to be my encouragement for us Today, I'm actually going to take uh, our outline, three points, um, off of a, uh, just kind of reword a, a quote from Thomas Akempis uh, in, his, uh, in his wonderful little work on the imitation of Christ, where he says, I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. And so maybe updating some of that language a little bit. Uh, our, point, our first point is Jesus is the way which disciples must follow. He's the way which disciples must follow. And so um, last week, if, uh, if, you were, uh, if you were here, you, uh, you, you saw that I had a, um, a picture. I've got another picture today. I'm not always going to have pictures, but I just feel like this one was so easy. Uh, I say that, but now they're always going to be pictures. So can you put that picture up there? Okay, there we go. This one's way easier. That's the whole picture. There are three parts to this picture. Uh, you've got the two lines there. Those are the borders. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Jesus is um, the way which disciples must follow. Then we're going to look at the, the, the surface of, the, uh, of the, the way, the path. Uh, and then we're going to look at the horizon over there 
uh, on the path. So that picture will come back a little bit more. But Jesus is the way which must be followed. He's those two lines, the borders there, that, that make the actual path. It's not this open field that all people everywhere just kind of move toward salvation and forgiveness of sin. There is actually something that happens specific uh, to Jesus that a disciple, as we kind of talk through, is a uh, is a student, is someone who's learning, is someone who's trying to figure it out, who's trying to have these answers. But a disciple of Christ or a Christian disciple is one who has come online to a certain reality. And that reality is sin, is that there is sin. We have sinned. And because God so loved the world, he made a way. Jesus is that way. And so I, I want to make sure that we're not just saying, hey, be like Jesus. I mean, that's great, but the first thing is have faith in Jesus, in the forgiving love of God. Because we can't actually be a disciple. We'd just be like uh, imitating Christianity or imitating Christians or imitating uh, Jesus. But if we don't have that saving faith, we've confessed our sin, then we are outside of those lines. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, he goes on in, uh, in Matthew 7, he, he'll say something like, uh, the way is easy that leads to destruction, and that's kind of everywhere, and many people will go that way, but the way that leads to life is narrow, and only few will take that. That way is faith, uh, it's, and, and, and where does that come into the idea of love? So he says, as I have loved you, as I have forgiven your sins, as I am going to go, uh, you can't go now, he says to the disciples, because I'm going to go and do a thing which will actually make a way, the way, for you to go. You need to believe that way. The love of God is putting me on the cross that I might be away. I know I'm being incredibly redundant, and, but I want to be incredibly clear here because too often we go off and go to church and we read our Bible and we pray and we think that that's saving faith, and that's not saving faith. Jesus is the way, and we must know that he forgives our sins. We must confess our sins. From there, then, we move. We move. Um, we ask ourselves then, how are we to be acting? Who is uh, that voice that's speaking to us? Who are, uh, of whom are we a disciple would be a great question. Uh, so we can have some of that saving faith, but we, we also need to know that just in our regular daily lives, as we live out our faith, we pull in all kinds of other disciples, whether we know it or not. And what I want to do is just raise awareness to that so that we can see when we're listening and we can hear when we're listening to other, uh, other voices that we might know who is Christ's voice or what is Christ's voice and what is other voices. Maybe a, a diagnostic, a way to ask some questions to understand who might be our uh, disciplers, who might be our teachers in our everyday life. Because it's not so easy if you would ask me, what lies are you believing? Or, or what direction are you going? And who else is influencing the way you live out your faith? Uh, I might be able to tell you a few names. Um, but it's, more, it's, it's helpful to ask some questions, maybe every day, maybe every week. So here are a few questions to figure out uh, who might be uh, discipling you unknowingly. Whose answers do you seek? Uh, that could be something like, uh, what news sources do you go to? When you need an answer, you go there. What authors, what experts, uh, maybe even beyond just those people, what narratives do you, do you listen to for those answers? And maybe whose words are you repeating? You might 
believe yourself to be a person who reads widely and broadly, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and is very, you know, objective in, in your own thinking, but you're quoting people, you're referencing people, and those people that you're referencing, take note of that. They're the ones that are probably sticking a little bit more in your head or in your heart. Whose life are you imitating? Are there, are there people who are, who are influencing the way you invest your time or, or your finances or your, um, I don't know, your, uh, your, your parenting or your neighboring or your, uh, how you approach your work? There are ways in which we go about life, the way we go about life, that are influenced by a lot of different people. Maybe the biggest one uh, is what identity are you claiming? Now, if you, you're a person who is who's okay with uh, the limelight, uh, maybe this is that run that scenario in your head uh, at the end of your life, you know, whatever, you get, you know, put up in front of everyone and handed an award and someone says, you're receiving this award because, and list off a few things. What are you seeking in that list? Uh, maybe if you, you don't like that, you know, someone says something at, at your, um, uh, at your funeral uh, and says, uh, this person was these three things. What are those things you're looking for? Uh, what are those things that you want to be filled in there? I'm just asking a bunch of these questions because behind all of these is discipleship. There are voices, there are people, there are truths that are informing the way you want to answer all of those questions. You may think these are just obvious, but I bet all of us have a whole bunch of differences in every single one of these questions. It's just a way for us to be, be mindful of this. I'm not saying that, way, that anything that you would list is, is particularly wrong or evil. It's just really good for us to understand that we're being discipled by a whole bunch of voices, a whole bunch of teachers. Um, but we're in church, and so the answer is we all know for all of these should be, what voice are you imitating? Well, Jesus Jesus' voice, who, do you, who are you trying to, uh, to imitate in your life? Jesus. Even as I did this, knowing I was going to ask these questions, I, I went through these this morning, and I didn't actually pass the Sunday school answer test. Uh, and that's convicting, and that's, that's the, the beautiful joy of the gospel. The love of God the Father says, oh, we're not quite there. We're not listening all the way. So let's work on it. Um, uh, Michael Horton says, just to reinforce the point here, is the way in which disciples must uh, be followed. This is Jesus. Is that he says that merely imitating Christ's example is different from being united to Christ through faith. Jesus asks, or uh, Thomas asks in our passage, uh, what is the way to the Father? And Jesus says, there's not a, uh, not a way. It's not one of many ways. I am the way. And when we get on the way, when we are in those boundaries of forgiving faith out of the love of God, he fills that way with his love. And that's what I want to look at now is uh, the second point. As he says, it's not simply the way of Christ and living out the way of Christ. It's, uh, it's the truth of Christ. Jesus is the truth which disciples must believe. Jesus says, I am the truth. He's the substance, the reality of the path. We can follow the way of love because it rests on God's character. You see, that's how we do that, is, is we're not trying to build this army of people who think and act this certain way. We're not trying to just be the nicest people in town and win, win all of Cedar Rapids and the surrounding area to uh, uh, Jesus' example. There's a foundation to the love that Jesus lives by. 
And the Bible says God is that, is that foundation. God is love. When we live out of love, we are actually living out of the reality that there is a God who is real and is love. And if you have an infinite God who is infinitely loving and steadfastly so, you are never going to run out of love to display. I mean, that's just, that's just incredible. There's this road. His love brings us in to this path by saving faith, but it also sets us a firm foundation so every time you go for love, you have a steady anchor. You have a steady footing in Jesus Christ because it is on the person of God, the Father who is love. And so an example of this, when we, when we go with this, with this, um, this idea of living out of that love, uh, it, we need that steady footing because it's not easy to go in the way of Christ. And abroad is the way and easy that leads to destruction. I don't know how many times I have chosen the way of Scripture or the way of Christ against what I would actually have wanted to do, and something wonderful happens. Now, before I get to that, I, I want to really uh, uh, slice it real fast. Uh, what love is, when I'm saying we choose the way of Christ, I don't want to just be like, oh yeah, we think about Jesus and then we do stuff, like he blesses whatever action it is. There are certain ways of his love that are here, this way of Jesus. The love of Jesus that we see is not circumstantial. The way of Jesus is not circumstantial uh, in that um, an argument will change that love. A disagreement, a tension between another person. A misspoken word, a word spoken that is hurtful. That's a circumstance. It seems like we're in crisis and that love can't hold that. But love in the way of Christ as we have received it gets in those spots, knows when we're there, and then, unlike the disciples do here, takes a deep breath and then focuses on love and moves through it. You can move through any of those choppy waters when you focus in on the love. It's not circumstantial. Uh, the love that Christ gives us is one of compassion. That is what we are to have in our hearts as Christians. We are to love as Christ has been compassionate to us. And I'll just compare that is compassion that Christ shows us is different than uh, judgmental pity. Uh, I think uh, the last 18 months of uh, living in the United States, I mean, I've lived there my whole life, but uh, the last 18 months have given us a great example of the difference between compassion and judgmental pity. Uh, I don't know how many times maybe I have thought this or I've heard other people say this. Uh, you think of them, the person on the other side of whatever the issue is, and then you say, like, honestly, this is the way that Christians baptize this. Uh, honestly, I just, I'm not mad at them. I don't think I'm better than them. I just feel so bad for their tiny little brains and their bad arguments because they just have a wrong truth, right? I mean, I'm making a caricature here, but we do that. We do that a lot. Is that the person on the other side is on the other side because they're dumber. And therefore, I pity them. And I just wish they could be smarter because if they were, they'd be over here. We do that. That's not compassion. Compassion of Jesus Christ says, 
even though y'all are going to hate me and misrepresent me and misunderstand me, I look past that and I see not my opponent, but a soul in need of a savior. And no matter how contentious our opinions are against one another on surface level circumstantial things, or how frustrating your personality might be with me, you are a beloved child of God and he wants to redeem you. Please get onto the way. And we may never resolve our differences on the other issues. That's compassion. Seeking the salvation of others. Uh, the way of Jesus is, uh, is uh, the love is not circumstantial or, uh, or judgmental, but it's of compassion. And then the other one is mercy. Just letting it go. Forgiving wrongs. I had a buddy. Um, a buddy, uh, one time we played a lot of sports together, and one of them, yes, I'm going to hockey again, uh, is uh, one time we're playing hockey. I'm not joking. This is my buddy. Uh, what a great guy. Uh, pushes me up against the wall, and this is like a love language in hockey, I guess. Uh, pushes me up against the wall, and he's like, I just, I respect you. I just want you to know, if you hit me, I will hit you back twice as hard. Good talk, bud. Uh, that's, we do that, right? We do that. You offend me, and I'm going to make sure that you don't offend me again, not by forgiveness and love and working together, but I'm going to make sure you don't offend me again because it hurts twice as hard when you touch me. It hurts twice as hard when you say that thing to me. That's called vengeance, and the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Mercy is what we've been given. Mercy is what we extend. That is the way of Jesus. And that all lands now on that surface, the road, the foundation of Jesus. Something happens. This is what I was saying before. Something happens when you choose that way over your own way. And, and, and maybe you've done this before. I, I'm sure I see many of you out here who do this all the time, and there are great examples of this, of where you choose God's way when your way seems way better. It'd be way better just to knock my buddy out. <laughs> but it would not be what's right. And, and, and specifically, I don't know how many times I have gone to my wife, Stacy, and I've said something like, this is weird. I don't know how we got here again. I can't name it, but something's rough. It's just something's not right. Something's off. And please just take this big mess and receive it out of love. I just want to name something's weird, and I don't know how many times that I've done that. Oh, I do. Every single time she has said, yeah. And that we can move into a way of sanctification Jesus says his truth does this. John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's amazing that he gives us this surface that we could stand on it and we can act from it even when we don't want to and we stay on it, not wandering off onto our own way of darkness, but we stay on it. And somehow when we choose that way, there's sanctification that comes with it. Is it easy? No. He promises you that it's not easy.
And he says, but you're not alone. Not only do you have each other's, or each other, not only do you have a truth, not only do you have Christ's example, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I will give you a helper so we can have hope. We're not alone with the Bible, just trying to figure this thing out by ourselves. When we are Christians, when we are saved, we have the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible that we might be able to hear from Him and learn it as well. Just as God promised in Ezekiel 36 to put His Spirit within us, so also here in John 14, He says, I'll do it. The Father will send it. When I go, the Spirit will come. I want to think about this, this truth, this idea of truth and acting from truth. Ephesians 2, I think it's on the screen. Uh, And you were dead in in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. I'll just pull a a couple points out of there. It says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That means, I'll just translate it to to the words we have, is uh, listening to the truth of the prince of the power of the air. That's the deceiver, that's Satan. So, listening to his truths and not the truth that is Christ. It's believing the deception of the deceiver. And then not simply believing the deception of the deceiver, it says at the very end here, uh, verse 3, among whom we all once lived. It's then saying, that's my reality, and I'm going to live from that. So what are some of those lies that we hear? Lies like, you're the smartest, you're the best. You're the most loved. You're the most talented. These are subtle ways the deceiver gets into our mind each and every day, even for those who are Christians. Lies like, you're the worst. You're the most wretched. You're unlovable. You need to know that these are lies. These are not the truth. He says, sin doesn't matter. God doesn't care. God isn't able to do anything about it, even if he did care. Those are lies. God just set this thing up and walked away and doesn't care at all. And when we make those our reality, and we, work, and we step from those, and we walk from those, we are walking in the domain of darkness. How do we get rid of those? How do we get rid of that lie? Well, we talked about this last week. Is with the light of the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ resolves all of these. Now, this isn't just a, 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 this isn't a, a sermon just to like, set up and, and promote the things of Stonebridge, but the Stonebridge family cares so much about this idea that Jesus is the truth, and he is that, I think as Brandon would say, he is the pivot foot uh, from which we go. We have a, a bunch of different ways in which we, we explore this idea of the truth. Uh, one of those would be out on the, on the welcome desk. Uh, we have a discussion guide that goes through uh, the sermon text, 
this series is all kind of bundled together. You can go pick it up there in print form. You can find it uh, on the website. Um, and all it's going to do is just get you into the Word of God, thinking about it, asking questions, and then encouraging you to go talk to somebody else about what you've learned. That's, that's how discipleship works. Uh, now, now, our men's and our women's, our, uh, our, our life groups, they'll be, they'll be doing these, um, uh, these studies, uh, but you don't have to be in one of those. I mean, you can be. It'd be great, but you can just get you, someone else, some coffee, talk through it. This is a great way to learn more about who the truth is. Other things that are coming in this fall, it would be uh, classes to learn the, the history and the ideas behind what, we're, what we have here in the text. A great way to learn that truth. Uh, we, have, um, we have our groups. This is a great way that you then take that truth and you talk through it together and figure out how to apply it into the way of Christ. And even, even, even with that, applying it, uh, we see that we go out and make disciples. Uh, Robin uh, is, is, is over our outreach uh, ministries. And so going out into the world for serving uh, for evangelizing, for inviting people. And evangelism is just like this proclamation, you know, calculated thing. Evangelism is more or less inviting people to join you on the way. Because God loved you, saving faith. Just confess your sin and his love is there. That's evangelism, just telling someone, join me on the journey over here. Uh, one, of the, one of the great ways to do this, the sanctifying ways that we go through the Bible is to pray through the Bible. Uh, Mondays in the morning, you can find this uh, information on the website. Uh, there's a group that prays together every Monday morning um, online via Zoom. That's uh, a sweet way to just pray through the Word of God for each other. And if you have not ever done this, I, I tell you, it is powerful uh, how transformative prayer in community is when it's rooted in Scripture. Just try it. It is a beautiful thing. His truth, His Word, sanctifies us. Point three, Jesus is the life for which disciples must hope. He's the life for which disciples must hope. He says, I am the life. And this, in our picture, is that top right corner. He is the horizon. He is the destination. He's where we are going. We're not here now. We're going there. And his love takes us there. His life gives us that hope. How does life give hope? Um, there are two words that are used. They're kind of used together, but kind of for the sake of teaching, they, they are kind of uh, two separate ideas. Uh, one of those in the New Testament, one of the words is used is bios, like biology. It means like the life, the living things in daily life, like right here, now, plants, animals, people. Here we go. This is all biology here. Um, then you move over to this other word that's used in the New Testament, and that word is zoe. Uh, Zoe is, uh, is uh, eternal life, is, is the life to come. It's, it's something that's everlasting. And so whenever you read the New Testament, you know if it ever says everlasting life or eternal life, uh, you're getting the word behind that is Zoe. And so what he's saying is, you have me here in the bios, these, you know, but you're all discouraged because you think you need Jesus right here, right now. I am the life that will give you hope throughout every single one of your days to beyond. I'll give you a different picture. This one is uh, much better than, you know, my little image here. Uh, could you get that other photo up, or I guess painting, by, um, by a painter here, um, by Sir John Everett Milia. I think that's, uh, I was corrected after the service. Milia, I think, is how you, how you say that. The Boyhood of Raleigh. This is, um, 
Uh, the boy there in the picture is uh, Sir Walter Riley. Uh, and so the idea and the story behind this is that you see, you know, a guy there um, in the picture who's talking to him, I, I assume. He's at least pointing, so it seems like he's communicating something to him. And if you could see it uh, close enough there, it, these boys are just captivated with what he's saying. Uh, now, there's another guy who's, uh, who's come, uh, come along and kind of interpreted this to us and, and, and given us a, a way of understanding this. It says, um, by asking a question, he said, uh, how do you raise sailors? You, you don't raise sailors by giving them wood or telling them to go get wood and get canvas. You give them a longing for the sea. And they'll find the wood in the canvas themselves. It seems like that's happening to this boy here. And they find that he has a life of sea travel. Jesus is the life for which we hope. He gives us out there on the horizon and says, you've been brought onto the way because of my forgiving love. I have filled your life today, the path with the love of God, and I'm going to point the direction over there is my love. My love completely as we were dwelling together in perfect shalom, completeness, perfection, steadfastly loving you. That's it. So why don't we build some ships and sail every day in the vast ocean of God's love? Wow. The way, the truth, and the life. What a comforting thought that becomes in the context of our passage today. So, Jesus says, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now. I will not leave you as orphans. While you wait, I'll give you my truth, my example, and my spirit. And I'll give you all of these things with a purpose that you would love one another. So, uh, while we wait, there are some things for us to do. Uh, these are uh, maybe three points of application for us. Uh, point one is to follow Jesus, who is the way. I'm just doing this little trick here. I'm just going to flip every single one of our main points into an application. Follow Jesus, who is the way. If you are not a believer, if you're not a Christian, um, so uh, it means if you have not admitted that you have sinned, you have sinned against God, done the things that he does not want you to do, and have said, and asked for forgiveness. You don't have to know all the theology. You don't have to know even half the stuff that I'm saying. You need to know this. You are a sinner. You have done things that God does not want. And all you have to do because of his incredible love is say, I've done it, and I'm sorry. And then just like the prodigal son's father, big hug, and says, welcome back. I forgive you. If you are a Christian, continue following. You need to run that diagnostic. You need to understand what voices you're listening to. And it should be, we all know it should be, the voice that we're listening to is the Word of God, the voice of God. And we need to know that. We need to resonate with that. But the only way we can do that is to get in it and to hear it. Uh, point two, application. Uh, believe in Jesus who is the truth. He is the foundation for every step. He is the substance for every conversation. A great, I, I always say, uh, every conversation is an excuse to lead to Christ. 
There is something in every single conversation that you can turn one way or another to get you to something more substantive. How is the weather? Well, it's good or it's bad. God made it. Here we go. You know, and I mean, that's like a real super Christian fast turn right there. Um, But there are subtle ways when people are hurting, when people are asking questions. If we all acknowledge that the basic need is that we need to understand who we are and why we're here and what we need to do next, every conversation you have gravitates around that. And the answer is God loves us and put us here to be in community and love one another until Christ comes. Every conversation can lead to Christ. Believe in Jesus who is the truth. So lovingly tell the truth. You may have the right truth, but lovingly communicate it. And then the other way around is truthfully love one another. Not just love because it feels good and it's nice, but love in a way that's focused on that person. And then application point three would be hope for Jesus who is the life. Let your eternal life direct your daily life. Help one another long for the ocean of his love, not as an anxious separation. God set us up. I don't know how long this is going to be. I just want it all to end. Lord, have mercy. Come, Lord Jesus. Not as an anxious separation, as the disciples are modeling here, but as an urgent expectation. Because Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow me. And the word there, you've got to look in your Bibles, verse 36. I am going, you cannot follow me now. It's not a no. It's a not yet. It's a wait. Because I love you so much. I got some stuff to do. You got some stuff to do. But out of my love, I'm coming back. That is so great. What an urgent expectation we can have that the love of God will bring him back and return us all into that beautiful fellowship that was designed that we might show his love in everything we do as he does through our compassion, through our mercy. So let's ask him now, as he says, the spirit will help us. Let's pray to him that the spirit would help us. God, we thank you for creating us We thank you for giving us uh, encouragement and urges that are realistic. That you call us to live lives completely lovingly, full of your love. Convict us and guide us with your spirit to do so as Christ has done to us. It's right there in your word. Love as Christ has loved us. So increase our compassion, increase our mercy, increase our faith because we cling to Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for Jesus Christ.